going to pray. We're going to read through the Gospel of John, chapter 6. Uh, but quick question for you guys before we do. Uh, but let's, let's pray first. You guys are on John 6, okay? All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the freedom uh, to gather together, for the freedom we find in Christ from our sins, the freedom just to be who we are, to be open and honest with you. Lord, that you'll take all of our baggage and all of our problems and all of our junk, and Lord, you'll take all of our hopes and our dreams and uh, desires. Lord, you just love us. Thank you. And Lord, even when it's a crowd, you still care about the individual. And so today, as we are a small crowd together, Lord, would you speak to us individually? Lord, that your spirit would just give us understanding of the scriptures, insights, and to more about Jesus. Uh, and Lord, just show us what's the next step in this walk of faith. In Jesus' name, we all said, amen. All right, so uh, expectations. You guys know what expectations are? We have them all the time. Some are good, uh, some are irrelevant. Sometimes we get what we expect and we're excited. Sometimes we don't and we're sad. Uh, I think it's a proverb that says, uh, hope deferred makes the heart sick. And so when you're hoping, 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 it doesn't happen. It's like, oh, I'm so sad now. But when you expect stuff, I don't know about you, when I uh, go to a certain restaurant, you guys ever go to like your favorite restaurant? What do you expect? Horrible food? No. Of course not. You expect to just, man, this is going to be the best night ever. Uh, maybe it's some expensive place for you. Maybe it's Chick-fil-A. Uh, maybe it's Golden Corral and it's not that good, but there's a whole lot of it. And you just stuff your face all night long. I don't know. If you go to a baseball game, what do you expect? Hot dogs. Some of you guys expect baseball, right? You, um, others, you guys ever watch a preview on a movie and you're like, I expect this to be the best movie I've ever seen. Now, sometimes it is and sometimes they took all three great scenes, put it in the previews and the rest of the movie was horrible. But expectations we're used to. We see something, we know a little bit about it, we have a bit of information, even maybe a little bit of history on our side, and so we come with a preconceived idea of how it's going to go. What we find with this crowd, this mass of people that come to Jesus in John chapter 6, is they come expectantly. They had seen Jesus doing miracles, seen people being healed from diseases. They knew that there was some amazing, divine, godly power about him. They'd heard him teaching. And so this wasn't a new guy in their life. They had some bit of familiarity with him. And they come kind of with some anticipation, some excitement. It actually takes a while for them to get there. Uh, this wasn't just like, oh, I guess I'll go next door. This was a bit of a journey for them to walk all the way around the Sea of Galilee to hunt him down, to find him, and they come with expectation. Uh, John chapter 6, starting in verse 1, all right? Numero uno. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. So he took a boat. Then the great multitudes followed him. They run around this massive body of water because they saw or had seen his signs, which he performed on those who were diseased. And Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. Verse 4. Now, the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was near. This was a time where they always went back and remembered their deliverance from Egypt, what God had done. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes, and seeing the great multitude coming towards him, he said to Philip, one of the disciples, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? Like, Philip, they're going to be hungry. How are we going to take care of them? Verse 6, but this Jesus said to test Philip. For he himself, he knew what he would do. 
Philip answered, 200 denarii, this little bit of money we have, is not, this 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them. It's not enough that every one of them may even have a little bit. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, well, there's a, a lad, there's a little boy here. He's got five barley loaves and two small fish. But what, what are they among so many? Then Jesus said, make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. Then Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed it to the disciples, and the disciples to those sitting down, and likewise the fish, as much as they wanted. So when they were filled, Jesus said to his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Therefore, they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of five barley loaves which were left over by those who had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, this is truly the prophet who is to come into the world. And we close with verse 15. Therefore, when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he departed again to the mountain by himself. Kind of an interesting insight into a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. But these people, when they come, they come, if you read verse 15, after seeing miracles and healings, hearing Jesus teach and reveal things about heaven and eternity and God, they come for what Jesus could do. Guys, Jesus is over there. We saw all these awesome things. And so we want to come and see more amazing things. They come with expectation and they come not only with excitement, but their excitement is met. The Lord doesn't disappoint. He never does. That when our hearts come before the Lord, he's ready for us. It says that he's sitting up on the hill and he sees the crowd coming and he knows what he's going to do. And he asks the disciples, but he has a plan the entire time. They were aware of Jesus' great works, what he had done, the healings, the miracles. And you and I, when we come to the Lord, whether it's in prayer, whether it's in church, whether it's in in the Bible, do we come with faith? Because faith isn't just like a dead hope that you kind of sort of believe. You all believe someday you're going to pass through seventh grade or eighth grade, but you're not like, yes, whatever. When you come to Jesus, is it like a yeah, whatever? Or is it like, man, if we had to walk all the way around the Sea of Galilee to get there, we would go. And so when we come, there's a a little bit, not without like making, you you ever see people who are too happy all the time? They're just like bubbly and it's like, calm down. Like you're 12. Are you drinking that much coffee or what? Like they're just, I'm not talking about having this false excitement where you're just, joyful all the time, but that when you come to the Lord, you'd come to him with a little bit of excitement. We're coming to the living God, the creator of heaven and earth, the one that sustains all things made, both seen and unseen, are within his power. And it's it's incredible that when we come to God, we come with a little bit of excitement. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 13, it tells us, and you will seek me, if you want to, by the way, And this is an amazing promise. When things are horrible, when you're bound up, when life stinks, you'll begin to. What's the purpose of trials? One of them is to cause us to pursue the Lord differently than any other season does. These people had friends, family that were diseased. 
in John 6, we just read about, people who were broken, people who were handicapped. And out of that came this deep desire to go find Jesus on the other side of Galilee. And the same way when you read Jeremiah, these people who were bound up and they were broken, they begin, he says, you will seek me and find me when you search for me with your whole heart or with all of your heart. But we can come with expectation. God says, you'll find me. Don't worry. I remember when our kids were very little. And I don't know about you guys. Maybe you have little brothers and sisters. Do you ever play hide and seek? The older they got, the more fun it became. I'd hide like in the bathroom when it was dark in the shower curtain. Be like, and they'd, ah! it was so fun. But remember when they were little, it was the best time. It was the, literally the best time ever. Play hide and seek. And they were like two years old. And I'd be hiding under a blanket in the middle of the living room with my feet sticking out. And they'd come out and they'd be like, where is he? Like, I don't know, where am I? And like, they thought it was the greatest. Was I hiding from them? Yep, sure. In a way where they could find me. Guys, is God sitting in front of you face to face right now? No, he's not. He's spirit. He's transparent. You can't see the Lord with your human eye. But can you know him? Oh, you better believe it. He's right there. He says, when you seek me with your whole heart, you really want to know me, you want to draw near, you'll find me. He's not impossible to discover. He's right in front of you all the time and invites us. Matthew chapter 21 is an interesting thing. He says, whatever things you ask in prayer, believing, your faith is engaged, you'll receive. Come expectantly. That when we pray, when we come to the Lord, like, look, believe he can do it. Why? Because he can. If he can, in six days, create everything we know and have yet to discover, then I'm sure he can handle our life and the moments that we go through. For sure God can handle it, but we come believing with a little bit of expectation like the crowd did as they gathered together on this side of Galilee. They didn't come like, I doubt the Lord loves us. I don't think he cares. He's not really powerful. No, they came knowing who he was. But there's a difference between seeking the Lord and seeking the Lord's stuff. There's a huge difference between seeking God and seeking what God can do for you, Okay. So in this invitation, come, believe in me, ask, and you'll receive. Just remember this. The greatest pursuit is to be Jesus himself, not just what he can do for you. We can fall into this vending machine mentality. Uh, you guys know about vending machines? I don't know about you. Um, I'm always afraid of them. I feel like they eat your money and don't give you what you want. Like, I don't know. But we were at the movie theater the other day, a couple weeks back, and uh, they had this awesome display of candy, and you're supposed to put in your money, and it like supposed to dump candy into this cup on a conveyor belt. It looks so awesome. And we went back and forth if we're supposed to do it or not. But the interesting thing about vending machines is you put in a little bit and you get back exactly what you want. You get the Snickers bar, you get the Cheetos, you get maybe it's a drink, you get whatever you want. You just push the right number, E6. Somebody got a little kick, right? But you get what you want. If we're not careful, we'll kind of treat God that way. Well, if I just pray the way I want, give him a little kick, he has to do what I say. Be very careful from ever treating God like some spiritual vending machine. Yes, does he invite us? Come, seek me, you'll find me. Ask, whatever you ask, believing you'll receive. Those are true promises. These aren't like lies or false truths. These are true promises but they are tempered by, meaning uh, they are overarching by God's sovereignty, his power. He's king. Look, could your dad give you a hundred bucks today? Yes. He might even say, if you ever need anything, ask me. I'm your dad. I love you. Does he mean it? 
Of course he does. Big dad, give me a hundred bucks. No. <laughs> Not when you ask like that. Uh-uh. Does your dad have the power to? Sure does. Heart to? Sure does. Is your attitude right? Sure ain't. A lot of times it's not God's will, it's our way of going about it. And prayer should affect our heart before it affects anything around us. It will always be that way. The greatest pursuit is to be the Lord himself, not just what he can do for us. But knowing that, look, ask away. God says, come expectantly. This crowd gathered together on the other side of the Galilee, expecting, ask away. What do you want? And so I have, look, I, have, I want you to think about this, okay? Simple, simple, simple question. Think of something so big, only God could do something about it. Something in your life. And I mean, it can be silly, make me a billionaire. Like, okay, but can't we be more, like, that's temporary. You're gonna die and the money's gonna sit here and go to some non-believer and they're gonna waste it on something stupid and money's money. A little bigger. Maybe it's family stuff that needs to be done with. Maybe it's friends. Maybe it's something in your heart you just can't get right. Maybe it's, I don't know. I was talking to someone yesterday. He's like, man, for 30-something years, I'm struggling with depression and just difficulty, and the Lord's totally set me free. This is crazy. Like, oh, man, that's awesome. What is it that's so big? We could make a list of a few, but then the question is, do I pray about it? Do I pray about it or just complain about it? Do I pray about it or do I just sulk in it? The Lord says, these are the things I want you to seek me with your whole heart and you will find me. These are the things I want you to ask away, go for it, believing, and I will begin the process of something new. Now, God's in control, right? All kinds of interesting things happen in the Bible. Uh, John chapter 14 tells us similar promise. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. And look, here's the part, okay? If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Cool promise. Why don't we pray more? I mean, I'm asking myself. If I was a mirror right here, I'd be like, David, Pray more, man. God says, ask believing and you'll receive it. And I want to pour out blessings into your life. And if you ask in my name, I'll do it. And it's like, what is wrong with you, man? Pray more. Like, spend more time with the Lord. What would life be like? Maybe it'd be more difficult, but there'd be more joy in the difficulty. I don't know what it would be like, but man, I know it'd be awesome. Pray more. But he says this key, all right, if you ask anything in my name. Everybody say, in my name. Okay, you better be praying in Jesus' name, not in your name. What does that mean? It's pretty simple, pretty simple concept, okay? Would Jesus sign off on my prayer requests in my name? So if you had to take a piece of paper, let's make it official, right? You get a job, and there's like the company logo on it, and you turn it into your boss, uh, but you have your manager that's above you, and you're going to fill it all out, everything you want to pray about, everything you want. I'm going to write, 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 And then at the end, there's a place to sign it off. Like, oh, I'm going to sign David. Make it all fancy, right? But, and then it says, oh, wait, no. Actually, your manager has to sign off on it and turn it in for you. And you're like, okay. Hey, manager Bob, here's my prayer request. Would you sign off on this? And he's like, you want me to put my name on your prayer request? Let me see it first. And he goes down, he's like, you want me to trip your sister? I'm not asking for that. 
Okay, you do better at school. Cool. Okay, you want your mom and dad to get along. I understand that. Like, okay, you're struggling with these sins. Okay, wait. Wait a second. What is this you're trying to hide down here at the bottom? You're like, no, nothing. Why? No, what? He's like, I can't, I can't put my name on this and turn it in. There's, I can, there's no way. In the same way, Jesus says, look, pray according to my will. Pray in my name. You guys have probably recognized most time when people pray at the end, they say, in the name of Jesus or in Jesus' name, amen. That's not like the textbook way of finishing a prayer. You could finish the prayer with just like, amen, or please, Lord, or God, we thank you, or whatever. The in Jesus' name isn't a phrase you use at the end. It is a way of modeling your prayers. Would Jesus pray the prayers you pray? Because he's the one that intercedes between us and the Father. And would he take that same request and say, you know what, Father, yeah, we want to trip his sister today. Like, <laughs> probably not. How, how do you pray for your enemies? I'll be honest with you guys. I remember praying prayers. I think God was like, yeah, we're deleting that one, and we're deleting this one, and we're deleting that one. I remember I had a friend that had a, a boss that was so mean to him. Well, at least the stories I heard. Now, maybe my friend was a completely horrible employee and deserved to be fired and let go. But I remember being prayers of, God, just change him, or maybe let him drive his car off the side of the mountain or something. I mean, I was praying prayers, like fire from heaven prayers. They were awesome prayers. And God's like, yeah, maybe awesome to you. These are horrible to me. We're just going to delete that and delete that. Now, here's the fun thing. God's not like, oh, no, he prayed a bad prayer, and I have to do it. All right, he's going to drive off the side of the mountain now. There he goes. <laughs> God's not bound by our prayers. We're bound by his will. That's how it works. So when he says, ask anything in my name, and it's going to happen, what happens if you ask something and it doesn't happen? Well, it's either no or not right now. If that's it. It's not a, I don't like you, I don't love you, I don't care about you. It's just a, hey, not right now, or it's a, this is not what's best for you. You've got to walk through this, or you've got to deal with it the way it is. Hard pill to swallow sometimes, but whatever you ask in my name, I will do it, that the Father may be glorified in the Son, if, if Jesus could sign off on your prayers. But, but ask. The crowd comes, they climb all the way around, they walk all the way around the Sea of Galilee. When it says 5,000 men... Uh, I don't know if you know this or not, but culturally, they would just kind of take a head count of all the men, all the dads and the crowds, all the husbands, and then they would just, you could do a rough estimate, well, this many are probably married, and then they have kids, and so people say that there were upwards of twenty to 25,000 people there that day. They just counted all the, the men in the crowd and could do a rough estimate of how many bodies were there. That's a ton of people! But they came expectantly, and they saw something amazing, okay? They came because of what Jesus could do, Jesus was there. The Lord came with compassion. They came wanting. Jesus came willing. It was awesome. They came wanting. Wanting something. Maybe wanting just to see anything. Maybe wanting to see something specific. Jesus came willing, full of compassion. So now the Passover, the feast, verse 4 of the Jews was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes and seeing the great multitude coming towards him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread that, that these may eat? But Jesus said this to test him for he himself, he knew what he would do. In verse seven, Philip answered, 200 denarii, a little bit of money worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may have a little. 
says, Jesus, we can't even give them the crust of our pizza. This is not going to fly. One of the disciples, Andrew, which is awesome. We don't hear much about Andrew in the Bible. This is Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there's a lad, there's a little guy here who has five loaves of bread and two small fish, but well, what? A, never mind, just kidding, just kidding. What is that among so many people? Sorry. Then Jesus said, make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. Pop quiz. You guys like pop quizzes? Nobody does. That's <laughs> like, one of the worst feelings in the world. You'll probably come back to school tomorrow, so pray tonight. And your teacher's like, hey, welcome back, guys, pop quiz. <laughs> and it'll be like, just kidding. I hope he's just kidding. But here's the deal. It's kind of pop quiz time. Jesus, all, isn't, this, isn't it unfair? Your teachers know the answers to all the questions. They just do. Half of you just made up the questions, so they get to make up the answers. I had a teacher one time, uh, it was a Super Bowl, and he asked two bonus questions at the end. You had to pick who was going to win the Super Bowl, except the Super Bowl was in two days. You had a 50-50 shot. If you got it right, he gave you like 25 extra points on your test. Totally can't do that. But he did. The other one was what color is a red fire truck? Believe it or not, some people could not figure out the answer to that question. Some of you are probably struggling with it right now. But Jesus, if you're struggling, let me help you. What color is a red fire truck? The rest of you will get it later. Uh, here's the deal. Pop quiz. Jesus kind of does a pop quiz. The crowd's coming. He looks at him. Guys, what are we going to do? How are we going to handle this? And it says he was doing this to test them. Did they have a big enough heart to figure it out? Did they have enough faith to believe there was a way? And two of them try. One is at least thinking logically, which is wonderful, but not always the right move. But okay, so he starts off, let's give him credit. Only two guys said anything. There's 12 there. So the other 10 just automatic fail the test. The other two at least tried. Okay, 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 hold on. Pop quiz. Jesus knows the answer. Philip tries to make sense of it all, right? Not change sense. Get it? Ha <laughs> ha. But like, make sense of it. 200 bucks. Can only get a few pizzas. Ain't no way. This, can't, this is not going to work. And then you see Andrew. He chimes in and volunteers a little kid's lunch. We could beat this kid up and take his food from him. <laughs> Doubt that's what he was implying. I think he saw Andrew just saw for a second. This, this could work. Oh, wait, never mind. Just kidding. What's that? It's not enough. Guys, if something catches your eye in a sense, and I, something prompts your heart, a little bit of a faith, I don't know. You know when you hear this one string on the guitar plucked? Bang. Do you guys ever hear the guys when they're getting up here getting ready to like tuning the guitar? You sit in the front row like bing 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 he wasn't like, oh, so close. There's a guy with a cart full of bread behind the little... No, he used, he used exactly what Andrew pointed out. Andrew just didn't believe Andrew was right. And so if you feel just this little shift in faith in a great, growing, encouraging way, pay attention to it. Look into it. It may very well be the very thing that God wants to do. 
And so, it's pop quiz time. Philip tries to make sense of it all. That didn't work out this time. Andrew chimes in, but then kind of backs off. Oh, you know what? No, just kidding. Never mind. What's five loaves of bread and a couple fish? I mean, not everyone likes fish anyways, right? You can, always, you can always down anyone else's step of faith. You can probably down your own, which is the scariest part. So be careful. So question. Jesus takes all this stuff. Here's a question for you. Okay. What is the number one way that God reaches people? Is it through text messages? Is it through gifts at Christmas? Is it through dreams and visions? I mean, God does that. Is that the number one way that God reaches people? The number one way worldwide in every country on the globe since the beginning that God reaches other people is through other people. God uses people to reach people. It's very, what a brilliant idea. Like, we can already look at each other. We can understand each other. We can communicate to each other. We can see each other again tomorrow. Like, God uses people to reach people. Could Jesus have just been like, throw the fish up, hit it with a lightning bolt, and it rains down food and all the people? Yeah! Could he have turned all the rocks into bread? Yes! What did he do? He blessed it, and he gave it to the disciples to use it. Jesus blessed it, but he gave it to the disciples to use it. I wonder what little things in your life God wants you to start using. Just the little stories, the little bits of encouragement, the little words of wisdom into your friend's life. Just the little things that could go so very far. Be careful. Don't miss it, okay? Now look, how many people were there? How many men did it say? 5,000, all right? You do the math and it grows. It could be upwards of like 20 to 25,000 people. That's a lot of people, correct? Correct. The Honda Center. Do you guys know anything about the Honda? You guys ever been to the Honda Center? Been to like a Ducks game or a, who plays there? Some basketball team. Yeah, I know. They do everything there. They do hockey. They do all, all kinds of crazy stuff. Concerts. Do you guys know how many people fit into the Honda Center? It's a lot, okay? How many? 18,108. There were too many people there with Jesus. They wouldn't have fit in the Honda Center. Wait, what? Uh, I've never gotten to go to the Staples Center. Uh, Does everything in sports have the word center at the end of it, by the way? (laughs) Like, what is this? I've never gotten to the Staples Center, but on the inside, it's not too far. That's a lot of people. How many is it? 18,336 seats if you packed it out. Potentially, you would need a bigger stadium than this to feed all the people that ate that day. Off of what? Off a basket of food. But a little bit of stuff with a little bit of faith will go further than you could ever have dreamt. John John chapter 6, look at your Bibles, verse 10, 11, 12, and 13. Then Jesus said, make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples. And the disciples to those sitting down, and likewise the fish as much as they wanted. Was this like everyone got a crumb, like a survival meal here? No, as much. This was like all-you-can-eat smorgasbord. 
as much as they wanted. So when they were filled, Jesus said to his disciples, gather up the fragments, all the left. Any of you guys into leftovers? I don't like leftovers typically, almost ever. There's a couple times. Usually when I'm being lazy is when I like leftovers, but a ton of stuff was left over. Gathered the fragments that remained so that nothing was lost. Therefore, they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves which were left over by those who had eaten. Simple stuff, okay? You'll get all of these right, I'm sure of it. Pop quiz time for you. Who equipped the disciples? Who gave the disciples what they needed? Jesus. He's not looking for a lot. He's just looking for someone willing. So Jesus gives you what you need in the moment. Now, is Jesus giving the disciples an opportunity to eat or an opportunity to feed others? At first glance, you're right. It, the answer is both. But so far in the beginning, all you know is they're probably like, I'm hungry. I want to eat. So to give this food to everybody else, I'm the one been out here with Jesus. All I, I sailed over the ocean with Jesus. I left my father for Jesus. I left everything behind for Jesus. I'm hungry. You read the other account in Matthew. They're not too happy about this day. They're burned out and tired and want to go home. Sometimes Jesus doesn't meet our need first. And that's okay. But it doesn't mean he won't meet your need. You need to be okay with his timing. You need to be okay with being last. It doesn't mean you'll be completely forgotten. It just means in the moment there was something greater. That's all it means. And it's okay. So who equipped the disciples? Jesus gave them what they needed. Did the disciples just stand by and watch everything happen? No, they were engaged, right? They did something about it. There are so many believers who sit by and watch life happen, who sit by and don't do what God's called them to do. Jesus will give you what you need, sometimes only when you need it. But they didn't just sit by and watch. They were willing to get involved. How much did everyone get to eat? It was a little bit, a little bite? Too much, probably. It says to their full. You, you know, a guy like yawns, you see a fishtail sticking out. Like, like, he's just eating and eating and eating and eating and eating and eating. The Lord doesn't disappoint. But Jesus doesn't waste anything, right? He's in the leftovers. He's moving through this whole thing. At the same time, though, sometimes you and I, our needs will be met after someone else's. It doesn't mean they won't be met at all. And there's a lot of people who can go through, and I don't, I, I'm not going to tell you what the disciples thought. It doesn't say what the disciples thought, but you could go through this whole thing thinking like, oh, sure, God wants to help everyone but me. There are people who carry that around in their heart so long. Oh, I see God blessing their family. I see God blessing their life. I see God taking care of these people. God, I believe it. God loves, I believe with my whole heart, God loves everybody except for me. That is not true. Just because it's not going the way we want in the moment doesn't mean God doesn't love you. How much food is left over? This is interesting, interesting, interesting. How much food is left over? How many baskets full? Twelve. And how many people were there at the end that hadn't eaten yet? Zero. Wrong. After the crowd eats... How many were left over with no food? 13. There's a 12 disciples and Jesus. 
Why weren't there 13 baskets left over? Jesus was not in it for himself, not for a second. God's not in this deal to get something from you, to make you do something just to make him happy. He is all about 100% invested into you. He gave his life for you. Not for him. I wonder how many Christians are starving because they wouldn't get involved. The disciples could have been like, this is nuts, I'm out. There would have been nothing left for them at the end. I wonder how many Christians are burning out because they won't step out. Use a little bit of faith. And the final push. Interesting turn of the story to me. I've never really paid attention to this till the other day, but the crowd's desire versus the king's will. This is a big one. The crowd's desire versus the king's will. They were not on the same page. Check it out. Read these last two verses, John 14, or verse, chapter 6, verse 14, 15. Then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, this is truly the prophet who is to come into the world. This is, oh my gosh, this is what my great-great-grandfather told me was going to happen. These are the stories I grew up reading about. This was prophesied in the Old Testament. It's Jesus. He's the Savior. Therefore, verse 15, when Jesus perceived, he realized, oh, the crowd's changing. They all went from like having conversations, talking, I mean, have you ever had bread so good? Oh man, this fish is what? And then all of a sudden something, you ever feel the room change? Maybe it's at a game, maybe it's at home, maybe it's at a family, and all of a sudden it's like, whoa, something changed. Something changed. Jesus perceived that they were about to come, take him by force to make him king. So what do you do? Peace out, I'm gone. He departed again to the mountains by himself. Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 18, these are the prophecies of God. He'd be coming, I will raise up for them a prophet like you, meaning from the Jewish nation, from among their brethren, and will put my words, when he speaks, it's gonna be God himself speaking to you, put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And so look, when the Lord speaks, Jesus says, or sorry, the Old Testament says, man, when the Savior comes, you're gonna know it simply by the way he speaks to you and the things he speaks of. And they begin to realize, oh my goodness, this is incredible. This is amazing. Jesus will take care of every need we have. Fish and loaves to spiritual situations, whatever it is. And so we, instead of chasing the things we think we need, we should be chasing after Jesus's every desire, not our own. Here's what's funny about this whole thing. The turn of events, it's possible to miss what God wants to do. Totally possible. The crowd missed it. They missed it. Matthew chapter 23, verse 37, he says, Look, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills their prophets and stones those who are sent to her, goes on, how often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks. You've seen a little a hen with a chicken. Jesus, I just wanted to get you guys together. I came for you but you were not willing. See, your house has left you desolate. Is it possible to miss what God wants to do? Yep, and they had. They witnessed it. Have you guys ever really, really, really been trying to find something? A pencil, a bit of homework, typically not homework, I don't know, your phone, 
You've seen your parents trying to find their glasses, and they're like, have you seen my glasses anywhere? I can't, I look in their drawer, I look in the fridge, and they're like, mom, dad, yeah, on your head. You're like, what? Oh my gosh, thank you. Like, or you've had the pencil in your hand, and you're super, like, literally getting edgy and angry, like, I know you took my pencil, where's my pencil? And they're like, it's in your hand. You're like, I told you, <laughs> Okay. These people were looking for the Messiah. They even for a moment, this is the one sent from God. This is the Messiah, the Savior. Let's make him king now. Oh, Jesus is like, oh my gosh. It was so close. But I'm out. So you can't make God do something he's not willing to do. You cannot force his timing. You can't force his timing. And you can't make him do something he's not willing to do. But you can come expectant. We should come a little bit excited. We should be willing to get involved like the disciples. Be like Andrew, but just a little bit more. When you see something that God could use, go for it. Because it's probably exactly what he wants to do. But at the end of the day, you can't make someone a king who's already a king. Jesus is already king of kings. Lord of lords. They just tried to force his hand. Don't force his hand. Let him lead, right? So here's the deal. Here's the three things. One, Jesus isn't looking for something from you. He came for you. The crowd was gathering together, and Jesus was sitting up on the hill with the disciples, and he said, guys, how are we going to help them? They came wanting, Jesus was willing, full of compassion. Jesus isn't looking for something so much from you. He came for you. Step one is just, look, pursue him and not anything else. Second thing, when life is pressing in, look, that's a massive group of people. When they're pressing in, where did Jesus go? Where did he go? When they're like, we're going to make you king, where did he go? Up in the mountains. He's like, I'm out. (laughs) I'm not going to be part of this right now. When the people in your life start pushing a little too hard, just step back from the situation and get alone with the Lord. Third and final, you cannot make the Lord do something that he's not willing to do. That should be comforting though, shouldn't it? It means you, you can pray whatever you want to pray. And God will answer the things that are according to his will and he, he'll say wait or no to the things that are not. But that we would learn like this crowd should have, come to Jesus, but also come for Jesus, not just for what he can do for you, okay? We're going to close today in a song of worship, simple stuff, but are we willing to walk it? When you guys go home, I just want to challenge you guys, when you guys step into the car with brother, sister, mom, dad, easy to let it all fly out the window, like almost literally. When you walk out of here, walk with Jesus, okay? When you guys head home, don't be like the crowd who maybe got their bellies full for the moment, but didn't get the bigger picture. We didn't just do church for the moment, but we take a step of faith And we're willing to do the simple things. Father, we thank you, God, for 
all of your might and your power, there's still a gentle nudge, a small, still voice that would call and say, come to me. And all who are willing, by no means, shall be pushed away, shall be cast off, shall be forgotten, but renewed, built up. Lord, the progression is to be renewed, to be built up, and to be sent out. And so, Lord, we ask today, whatever stage we're in, would you complete it? Build us up and send us out, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.